I want to welcome you to the Pro Mindset Podcast. The Pro Mindset Podcast is all about diving into the headspace that results in championship performance. High-performing athletes, winners, have this mental flow and have a positive headspace for their performances and success. Join me, Craig Doman, sports attorney and NFL agent, on this podcast. I will interview pro athletes, college athletes, football coaches, and sports personalities. Together, we can discover how you can get in the flow and have your own pro mindset. So today on Pro Mindset Podcast, we have a former NFL player, Zach Miller. Zach, welcome to the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Craig. Hey, thank you for being on. So let's jump right into it, Zach. Your your football history was you were a second rounder with the Oakland Raiders back in 2007. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. What was the coolest thing about getting drafted 38th overall and getting the opportunity to do what every every guy that ever played football wanted to do? Well, for me, it was it was my dream as a kid. Um, when everyone went around the room and they asked you what, what you wanted to do when you grew up, um, I mean, that was an easy answer for me. I wanted to play in the NFL. And so some of the teachers would say, you know, what, you know, that's tough to do. What, what's your backup? And, you know, I, I didn't have one because I was so set on, you know, playing in the NFL. And it was, it was what, what I focused on, you know, ever since I was a little kid. So to have your dream realized on draft day uh, to go to such a historic franchise too, and the Oakland Raiders, you know, it was, it was just such an exciting moment having your family around, having all your friends around um, and they get to share in that, that, that dream that they they know you wanted that you that you know you've been working your whole life towards it's 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 such an awesome moment and I'll never forget uh when they finally announced my name on 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 TV and how long that whole first round was 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 kind of brutal though it was a, I think it was like a 6 or 7 hour first round so <laughs> I had to wait a little while you are very normal you were abnormal when you were in grade school middle school and you had the dream of playing in the NFL with no plan B and a lot of guys that make it to the league, they had no plan B. Society and, and the environment kind of beat you up a little bit. So by the time you get to high school and they say, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Hey, I'm just focused on going to college. You don't even tell them about you want to play in the league because everybody doubts you, even if you're the superstar, because it's such a difficult, low probability plan A. Yeah, the percentages to go to the NFL, I mean, college is hard enough to make it to. So, And then to be able to make it to the NFL, the probabilities are so small that it's it's smart to have a plan B, um, but yeah, I if if you if you're lucky enough and to be good enough and can put in the kind of work that it takes to get to the NFL, it's an awesome uh, career and and gives you so many opportunities once you're done playing too. Absolutely. What was the mountaintop experience for you in the NFL? Was it winning the Super Bowl? Was it going to the Pro Bowl? Was it something else? A Super Bowl, without a doubt. Just getting playing on so many different teams, whether that's football, uh, whether that was when I wrestled, when I did track and field, when I was on, you know, roller hockey teams, all, you know, all the sports I've been on, I've, I've been close and been in championship games before, but never actually won a true championship, didn't get a Pac-10 championship. So to finally get the ultimate team championship in the Super Bowl and win it, especially the way we did, was just the most rewarding experience and in and, and that season I played through a broken rib for for the back half of the season and it was just like 
to have this your sacrifice and and everything you've worked towards and being able to be rewarded with with winning the you know the Super Bowl of all of all championships uh, was just a pinnacle moment in my life and and you don't you don't realize how great it is even even though you say you know I, we want to win a Super Bowl it's it's uh, it's when you do win it it's it's a special moment and something that you and your teammates you know you share that the rest of your life because you you battle together to win it together it's it's not one guy and even a few guys never win a Super Bowl a defense just doesn't win a Super Bowl an offense doesn't just win a Super Bowl special teams they all have to you all have to come together in crucial moments to make it happen throughout the season whether that's securing home field advantage whether that's um you know the nfc championship game and coming down to one play that one guy has to make and you really you really understand the difference between winning a championship and losing a championship is so small and so all those little moments matter throughout a season and they all build and turn and you know as a team you turn them into a to a championship Absolutely. Well, here's the irony of winning a championship. The difference between winning the Super Bowl and losing the Super Bowl is everybody, everyone remembers you when you won. A lot of people can't remember who lost, but ten years later, sometimes people can't remember who beat, you know, who they beat, but they know they were the champions. Exactly. And, And Pete Carroll, I mean, excellent coach one of the best coaches I've ever played for. And we talked about it constantly in, in team meetings is that, you know, never, never give up on a play, never give up on, on a moment. Cause all it takes is one play, one turnover that can completely change a game. And, uh, and if you can put a few of those together, those, those, you know, two, three, four, five plays that decide a game and you can win those plays when they matter. Um, that's, that's how you build a, championship and, and compete for multiple championships you know I, I saw the next year I was on injured reserve but I saw you know how close we were to beating the Patriots in, in Arizona for the for not for a second Super Bowl title and it's it's just the you know it comes down to sometimes only one play that makes the difference and it's just who can be better for that one play that matters and you don't know which play it is that's why you can never take any plays off you always have to be fighting and giving your best effort because you have to be you have to, you know, make that one extra play that the other team can't make. No doubt about it. Okay, so Zach, you are part of a very rare club, and you probably think, oh, I should have played in the NFL for ten more years, and you know, most people's careers end before they want them to. How old were you when you were done with your NFL career? I was twenty-nine. You didn't. You hadn't even hit the big three zero, and you were you nope. were already moving into career number two. <laughs> yeah, but. Um... It's, but, uh, here's, but here's the thing. You started more than 100 NFL games in the regular season. Not a lot of guys do that. So yeah, I think my, when you look back in your rearview mirror and you go, hey, I made it to the Pro Bowl. We won a Super Bowl. I got a nice contract on, in free agency, uh, leaving the Raiders and going to the Seahawks. I started over 100 NFL games. You know, there was three seasons in years two, three, and four where you were one of the dominant guys in the, in the whole league at your position. Very few guys do that. Yeah, the um, obviously, I, I I learned that um, early on that when you have an opportunity like I did in Oakland to to be the leading receiver, um, you know, my my mindset was to make every every opportunity I was given to to make the most of it. And then we just ran a different system in Seattle. So, you know, I got I 
you know, the, the tight end just wasn't getting as many balls. So as a tight end, I think that you have to, for me, a, a true tight end is a complete tight end, not just a pass catcher and not just a run blocker or pass protector. A, a you know a real inline tight end that doesn't just flex out all the time and is a glorified wideout. You know is a is a dominant in the run game, can pass block against um, a pr- premier pass rusher, so you can add some dimension and then go catch touchdowns. That and that's always what I envision myself as a tight end. I always tried to work on whatever weakness that, that, that was holding me back in any of those areas, I always tried to get better at. When I came into college, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't learn to, to block in, in high school. So I, you know, my coach, he taught me how to block basically. And, and then, and then I learned even more from coach Tom Cable in in Oakland and then, you know, with him in Seattle to how it really be a dominant run blocker in the run game. Cause so much of our offense in Seattle was about controlling the ball Giving you know, give it to Mar- Marshawn, and and that helped our defense stay off the field when we had long drives. So you know, you there's opportunity um, to when you're a complete tight end to be able to play in almost any system. And while you might not get the recognition that you do when you catch a lot of balls, um, you know, you're in you know, guys on the team know. Sometimes the, the fantasy people, people that track fantasy football, they they have no clue. But uh, the guys that really understand football know how much you're adding to the offense. Well, when you look at the NFL today in 2020, who's the dude that reminds you of yourself? Who's the tight end today that? Um, I mean, I would definitely say Gronkowski, even though he's a U of A guy, and I hate to give him any credit just being an ASU guy, but uh, he's asked to run block and he does it um, quite a bit, especially when he was in New England. George Kittle, also good run blocker. Um, you, do, you know, you gotta, you gotta. It's a mindset thing. You have to feel like you're a little bit of offensive lineman to be a decent run blocker because it's not. Uh, it's kind of a fist fight in there. You have to have a real mentality. You have to be a little bit of an a hole, and you have to channel that kind of offensive lineman mindset to be a good run blocker and move move some of these outside linebackers. The de- defensive ends are are usually out. The defensive ends for sure are outweighing you. I mean, they know what your job is and. Uh, so you have to you have to have a right mindset to be that type of, of blocker, and I see that uh, with both those guys. Gotcha. Were you three and out at ASU? Did you leave early? Yeah, I came in as a started as a true freshman, and then left after three years. So yeah, when I when I got done playing, I had I had a lot of school left to finish my undergrad. Okay, so let's go back to that point in time in your career. What were the pros and cons in your mind? And if you had to do it over again, would you do the same thing or would you do it differently? Yeah, I mean, I would have done the same thing, especially once you're in the NFL long enough, you understand it's a business. If you've played enough time in college, it's unlikely you're going to improve your your draft status much unless something odd happens your first few years in college or you don't get a chance to play. Maybe you're at a, a school where, you know, there's just there's an NFL guy already playing a position, so you don't get a chance to show any tape. But for the most part, if you've shown all your ability coming back and playing, you're just risking injury for not much of an improvement and, and another year of playing for free, basically. I'm glad I left early. It, you know, gets you to what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do. And also compensated because, you know, your body's going to, there's a trade-off in football. You, you're trading, you know, some of your physical health for monetary rewards. So you, you know, you, you owe it to your future self to take advantage of that while, while you can. And, I know the the story of Michael Bush. He was drafted in the fourth round my senior in Oakland. 
he came back at Louisville for his senior year and broke his femur. And we talked, I mean, we talked about this in the locker room about how much money that probably cost him. Cause he more than likely would have been a first rounder and then goes stays another year plays in college. So it's another year where he's not earning what he deserves in the NFL, you know, slides down to a fourth round pick the next year. That's just a risk thing that I, I would advise any player, no matter how loyal you, loyal you are to your college and how much you want to win an NCAA championship, college, the NCAA is basically having you play for free. So you deserve to be compensated for the risks you're taking playing football. There is no question that if you're a talented enough player to go in the top 40 after three years of college, you made the right decision. But there's so many guys that are early entry guys, like over 110 every year, and a lot of them don't even get drafted. And they could have experienced college football for one more season. So I'm not advocating for either way. What's the, like, if you see the NFL as like the big boy league, what's got to be the improvement in your discipline to be able to go from the college level to the pro level when you're competing with 28, 29-year-old men that have a wife and two or three kids? and a mortgage, and a lifestyle that they don't want to lose. Yeah, your mindset, you want to have that mindset as early as possible that you are intentional about why you're in college, why your focus of what you're trying to accomplish. But it's it's not it's not easy when you're young. I mean, you don't know a lot of the lessons that come with playing even just your first, second year in the NFL. So you have to learn quickly what it takes to be able to show up every week because the difference between the NFL and college is while their speed's different, hits are different, athletic ability is different, it's the every week you're going against someone that's probably an all-pro, pro bowler, or at least a really good player. I mean, there is no off week like there is in college. And I mean, you might have some some guys that you can just dominate with athletic ability in college. And that is not the case in the NFL. You win, uh, you win some and you lose a lot of battles. So you have to be good about mentally. I mean, you, your short-term memory has to be incredibly short. You have to remember almost nothing of the play before refocus on whatever job you have to get done at the time, you know, not worry about things outside your control, whether you're you're not getting the ball enough or, you know, you, you messed up early in the game. I mean, those are things you have to learn quickly in the NFL where they might not affect you as much in college, but in the NFL, you have to have the right mindset and you have to be able to change your thought process to one of ultimate focus and ultimate really dominating each play early on. Coach Kiffin, Tom Cable, I mean, they, they drilled it in good. with. We did good on good all the time in practice, and Cable call it iron, iron sharpens iron. So you'd, you'd have ones versus ones, and it's, there's a winner and there's a loser. And they would post your, especially in one-on-ones against the DBs, they'd post your, your one-on-one results for everyone to go see what your, your win rate percentage was. So, yeah, and, and that's how it is once you get in the game. So doing that in training camp, being ultra-competitive. Pete Carroll, when, we got, when I got to Seattle, I mean, everything's competitive, whether we're anything that can be measured and compared and competed on gets competed on. And that's the, that, I mean, almost every NFL locker room has has that kind of mindset because you have all those players in the, lock, in the locker room are the most competitive guys that, that are out there in society. And they just happen to be really athletic and play football and they're not going to lose at anything. So you have to, if your mindset's not like that, once you get in the NFL and you can't change it quick, you're not going to be in for very long. So who who did the Raiders take with the first pick your year? Jamarcus Russell. Okay. 
So who is arguably one of the top three busts in NFL history? Yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he, uh, him, right? him, Ryan Leaf, and I don't know who the third one is. <laughs> those two, those two are probably it. Okay. Right. So without bagging on him or without bashing him, what did he not do that he should have done because he had enough talent that your organization took him with the number one pick overall? And what did you do to get up to speed? So as a rookie, you had a very productive rookie year. Yeah, I mean, when you're coming in as a rookie, and especially quarterback, tight end has to know probably the second most to the quarterback. You have to put in an incredible amount of time of learning, not just learning the playbook, but learning what your coaches want from you. Like there's stuff in the playbook that, that can't be taught. You have to learn it through being coached in practice and watching film and seeing other guys do it and learning by watching because you can only take so many reps in a practice. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the stories about Jamarcus falling asleep during meetings, like just things like that you can't do and you lose your teammates when things like that happen. And so, so sometimes it's just, it's just the simple things of not making mistakes because you spent the time the night before practicing your playbook. You know, some of the best quarterbacks I ever played with, who weren't even started, they were backup, would in training camp get the play sheet from the night before. And he, and Bruce Gretkowski would do this. He'd practice running through all the, all the plays, calling them out, making checks, you know, pretend checks in, in our, in our hotel room in training camp. So preparation. And I saw this with Russell Wilson is preparation. I think is the biggest differentiator uh, in the quarterback position. A lot of those guys have a lot of the same tools, but it's it's how they prepare and, and then turn that into actual results on the field that separates a lot of the quarterbacks from, from just good to being really good to great. Well, tonight we have two number one picks playing, you know, with the Bengals playing against the Browns. And we don't know what's going to happen, and I hope it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. But it's like, odds are, one of those guys is going to be an epic bust here in the next year or two. And the other guy is going to have a nice career. And it's probably going to come down to what you said. Who puts in the work? Who treats it like a job? Who has the maturity to understand that you got to take advantage of the lifetime of an opportunity during the lifetime of the opportunity, which is right now. Four years from now, I mean, look at Johnny Manziel and a whole bunch of guys didn't take advantage of their opportunities and, they, and then nobody wants them. So for any player that's listening out there that's thinking about, hey, I'm going to play in the NFL, I mean, the difference between college and high school is kind of the same way, wouldn't you say? I would definitely say one thing I'll say is, is the sooner you can develop professional you know, for me, watch. I watched the the older tight end in my room. You know how he prepared, how he took care of his body. You know, find a mentor in the locker room, but find the guy that has it figured out. He he might not even be the best player on the team, but he's definitely going to be the most respected because guys are going to know that he does everything off the field to make himself the best he can be on the field. He overachieves based on his potential athleticism. Find that guy and try to emulate what he does because he's obviously been, especially the guys have been around long enough. You don't have to learn them the hard way if you can learn them from, from watching them. And so that, I mean, that helped me. A ton. It helped me when I was in college, when I got to college as a, as a freshman. I, I found the seniors, senior in the tight end room, that was doing all the right things and learned as much as I, as I could from him. So I didn't have to make some of those those rookie mistakes that you make. So um, I think that's a key for for young guys, and that you know they don't always take that advice. Well, I think the thing that happens, and you you were blessed with a lot of athleticism. And if you weren't, you wouldn't have played as a true freshman and you wouldn't have left after three years and you wouldn't have played as a rookie. 
You have to have talent. You have that. Most guys that played at a power five school, they got talent. Mm-hmm. They were most likely the best athlete on the field in almost every game they played, at least their senior year in high school. Right. So when you are so talented, it's a blessing and a curse from the standpoint that you don't have to do everything professionally and you can still be successful and you can still win. And then some of those guys are so uber talented athletically in college, they don't have to work hard. They can party. They can show up hungover. They can, you know, pretend like they're paying attention in the position meetings and, and just wing it. But the pros is a different deal. And that's what Jamarcus Russell found out. It's a different deal. You're not going to last long in the NFL. You might get there and, and they might draft you for your athletic ability. But if you can't, if it's not, if you don't have it between the ears and mentally able to put it together quickly, I mean, the teams will just replace you with someone younger and probably just as athletic within a pretty quick time period. So you got to figure it out quick if, if it's not figured out in, in college or you're, you're just relying on athleticism alone. Okay. So I'm going to call you Professor Miller. <laughs> And I'm going to give you the opportunity to put together in your mind a curriculum that you would recommend that a college, young college kid do. And it doesn't matter if he's a freshman, sophomore, he's he's going into the draft this year, that he needs to do these things. So when he shows up in the NFL, he's got the best opportunity to maximize his career, maximize his money, maximize his performance, minimize his detours. What is Professor Zach Miller's curriculum? for do this to do. Oh, I think one of the biggest one is when you're still in college, this is a team game and and NFL teams are looking for football players, not, not just athletes. When they, when scouts are watching you, they're, they're watching how you, how you act, how you conduct yourself as a teammate, whether you're a team guy or a me guy. So I think that's a mindset thing. You have to be the ultimate team player in this in football. It's it's not so in some of the other team sports where one guy can dominate at times. In the NFL, you have to be the ultimate team player. You have to be tough. I think toughness is something that a lot of it's already in you by the time you get to college. But you can definitely I've seen guys get much tougher in in college. So you you have to have a a grinder mindset to where. I think first three years in the NFL, I, I think I played 99% of the offensive snaps. So I, I was talking with a tight end I played with, and you know he said that he, you just never gave anyone a chance to show any film because he just never came out of the game. So you you have to be tough enough. You have to play through, be able to play through injury, be able to play hurt, be that tough guy because because that's that's how you're going to be able to play in the NFL. Once you get older, you you just start picking up injuries. That's that's mental toughness is something that that you have to develop. I will say. I think football IQ, um, you can never stop learning football knowledge, whether that's learning someone else's position. You're going to be in offensive meetings. And I learned, and I relearned this. I did it a lot, but I relearned it even more from Russell Wilson is he just takes meticulous notes and meetings and he knows he could go up and, and teach the, the offense, yet he's still taking notes about uh, on offensive install. And this is like the third time we would install it in off season or going into training camp, and he's still taking notes. So there's always more football knowledge to know. There's always a new circumstance, whether it's a situational football thing or a just something about the offense that, that might help. Maybe if you know what that wideout, if he's converting on a on a go route, you know, you just learn a little bit more about the offense and what, you know, why, when he convert, why he converts. You'll never run that route probably, but it develops your football knowledge. And then 
as much, I mean, from an offensive player, learn as much as you can about defensive scheme. The more you know about the defensive scheme and, you know, the different, whether it's blitz packages or what the other team does, and, and that goes into even more granular and going into game planning. But football IQ is something that I, just watching football growing up, knew, you know, knew everything about rule. It's funny when you hear stories about guys that don't even know some of the, the you know, more obscure rules in the NFL, but if you've watched enough of it growing up, you, you know, you've seen it before. So football IQ is one that you can learn. I mean, you can learn and you have to keep learning throughout college NFL and start early, never stop with that. The other one is even in college, you can learn this. You got to take care of your body. Your body is everything in the NFL. Every veteran knows that you have to find the routine, whether that's massages, ice tub. Like for me, it was ice tub after practice. You have to take care of your body because if you can't get on the field and stay on the field, you're going to get replaced. Someone will make plays and then they'll probably be younger and then they'll end up being the guy and you won't. So you have to do whatever it takes. You know, for me, it was massages, you know, after a game to get the, the lactic acid out. That's important. And then after every practice, once I wasn't a young guy anymore, which is like 25, I was ice tub after every practice just because my knees, ankles, you know, all that stuff is, it's just, you need an ice bag on it. And instead of getting five ice bags, you just go on the cold tub. And then you can even get the contrasting. And I know some guys for the mental aspect do sensory deprivation tanks and float and all that, especially that's popular in the kicker punter world. Whatever can help you at peak performance, you have to find that routine. And you can start that in college as much as you can. Sleep is obviously the biggest one. I will say if you're not if you're not getting enough sleep, you're just not going to recover. That's the number one ingredient to recovery is sleep and quality sleep. So if you're partying all the time, yeah, you're not, you're not recovering. Okay. So give me one suggestion on improving the relationship you have with your coordinator or your position coach, because the one thing I I've seen is that coaches will not put a guy on the field that they don't trust. I think the biggest thing is you need to be, reliable and dependable when they dial your play up because every coordinator especially offensive coordinators if they if they make a play for you or or you know you're the mismatch on that play and you don't come through for them and this applies to quarterbacks too is like you only get so many of those opportunities and then they you won't get many more plays called to you after that some of that comes with just basically earning the the right to to be that guy and and making making enough plays in practice that when game time comes around they will call your play first i mean quarterbacks should be attached the hip to their coordinator i know all the best ones um, are basically offensive coordinators at this point and their oc is just in the box giving them another set of eyes from up high and otherwise the quarterback is basically running the offense so as an offensive player you got to have a good relationship with the oc understand the offense well enough to you're not the guy you know blowing assignments there's nothing that makes a coach more mad than messing up an assignment you gotta you gotta know the playbook otherwise you're not gonna get you're gonna start losing playing time well zach i would say what you just described also does apply on defense and special teams let's just take the place kicker you know it's a 59 yarder and the head coach throws you in there at the end of half and you're like you you just miss it miserably well, at the end of the game, it's a 52-yarder, and he decides to go for it on fourth down because he True. doesn't have confidence in you, right? You know, and if you're a defensive player and you're on a corner blitz on the boundary side and you can't get to the quarterback, he's not going to call that play anymore. And you had a chance to blow up the quarterback because, I mean, it's a boundary corner. He's got proximity to the pocket. 
and they don't have enough, unless you're doing max protection, they're still not counting for him, and you don't get there. They're not calling it. Same thing for linebackers. Same. I think what you're effectively saying there is they're going to pick and play for you where you can make an impact on the game. If you don't capitalize on it, they're going to not, they're, they're going to use somebody else instead of you. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean there's some guys get think there's a lot of pressure on that, but this, there's really no there's no issue there because you've been doing you've been playing football your whole life. Yeah, I mean all you have to do is just be you, be the guy that that is there because you wouldn't be in the position in the NFL if, uh, or even college if people don't know how good you are and you know yourself how good you are. You wouldn't have made it that far. So you just do. You don't have to do anything special. Just perform like you know you always have, and then you'll make the play most most of the time and, and just do it over and over again, and then you have a, a solid relationship. You'll be the clutch player that your uh, coordinator expects you to be. Okay, Zach, so we talked about your mountaintop experience was winning a Super Bowl, and you had a lot of success, you know, 300-plus career catches, things like that. What was your biggest adversity in the NFL, and what was the mindset that you needed to have to overcome it i mean the biggest thing for me was having i had three ankle surgeries in 2014 and 2015 and I, I mean that effectively ended my career it was a lateral ankle reconstruction and, and then they fixed the medial ligament as well for me that was it's just tough to to be in the training room seeing all you know seeing your teammates get to go out and play and you're sitting there you know on your second surgery or whatever it is Definitely the the absolute worst part about football, the part I don't miss at all, the part that I hate actually about football is is injuries. And it's not fun to be hurt, not fun to miss out on, on being a part of what the team's doing. And so it takes time to work through that. And for me, it, it, it happened. And, you know, towards the end of my career, I thought I could, you know, play 10 years or so. So I end up in my eighth year getting the surgery. So you, you feel like, you know, you got short change, at least I did short change a few years of, of playing, but you, you don't control, you know, what happens and, and whether it's an injury or, uh, you know, someone replaces you and you end up getting cut, every player in the NFL gets cut. And so every, every player has to go through that adversity that plays in the NFL. If they're, if they're still in the NFL, they're going to go through it here in the new, in the near future because you don't get to play forever. And while it's, extremely tough at the time I was lucky to have kids and and you get perspective that like there is more to the world than football and there is more to life than than just playing in the NFL and when you're singularly focused on achieving a goal you, you know you can lose some perspective on on what's most important in life and and so uh I will say that being injured and then and then I was released by the Seahawks with injury designation and 2015 like it it uh definitely gives you plenty of time to kind of think about what what else do I like to do in life what what other things are my passion about besides football you know do I want to go coach do I want to do broadcasting do I want to go be a professional and, and work in business so for that it's as much as people say the cliche a blessing in disguise like it, it when one door closes another one opens and you have you have to see the opportunities so for me it was just going back to, to ASU to school to finish my undergraduate that you know that's something that was important to me and because I always you know I always wanted to go back and finish and once I knew my NFL career was over it was I mean it was an easy decision and go back into class as a 30 
31, whatever I was at the time, go sit in class with the, the 20 year old was definitely uh, eye opening. And but it, you know, you have so much perspective when you're older, and you actually know more about the world. You know what you like. For me, it was choosing a second career made it easy because I had so much time. I was lucky enough to to play long enough in the NFL that I had the ability to not be rushed into a second career, and I could pick one that. I believe in and, and, you know, want to excel at and want to, you know, help as many people as possible. And so it's, it's definitely injuries. They're not the fun part of the game, but in my case, they, uh, they help, you know, help me transition from NFL to, to something else in life. Okay. So you talked about when you came out of college, you had no plan B. And then you just talked about when you were let go because of three injuries with the Seahawks, you had to, have a plan B. What do you recommend to young men that are entering the NFL or guys that are rookies or in the second, third years? Do they stay singularly focused because the NFL lasts just a short period of time in their life that you don't want to do anything to make it shorter than it already is? Or should you start thinking about plan B? And if so, when and and what does that mean? Yeah, you should definitely think about it. One thing I would change is just to take take advantage of some of the more opportunities i mean i was an nflpa rep and i i mean i thought about it i just didn't take advantage of, of so many of the you know whether it's a broadcast boot camp or the symposiums that you can go to and and explore a second you know second career because you have time in the off season you can't train 24 7 so there's time in the off season you don't have to go on vacation the entire off season you can afford to like spend the weekend to go do some of those things and at least just expose yourself to business or something you want to do after football, broadcasting, what, you know, what about coaching and FLPA does a really good job of trying to expose athletes to other professions to, to life after football. It's just, you know, one thing I would do different for myself is just to do, do more of those things earlier. Every NFL guy that I've talked to, at least that's done playing, you know, never thinks that that year is going to be their last year that it's always, you know, a few more, or it's out in the future at a undetermined point in time. So you, you always think, you know, yeah, I can, I can play at least one or two more years. That's absolutely 100% accurate. I really feel like the game is taken away from most players before they want it to go away. And there's, it's the rare guy, a very rare guy that gets an opportunity to walk away in his own terms. At what age did you start playing football? Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade? No, I, I played flag football since I was like eight years old. So yeah, <laughs> long So time. you were a track guy and you were a football guy when you were younger, right? And football was who you were when you were walking around in high school. You were the football dude. You were the football superstar. You were the local guy that was going to ASU. And then you go to ASU and you you know you're all Pac-10, all these things. So how do you balance that identity? Because if you if you start messing around with too many other things, you're not going to be you're not going to stay in the league. But at the same time, is is it is it faith? Is it family? Is it business? You know what is it that guys could do or should do so that it doesn't take away from their game, but it adds to their identity. Well, I think you, you definitely don't want it to be a distraction because you do need to be focused on football and as much as you can maximizing your performance as an NFL player but at the same time you want to expose yourself to to the life after football as quickly as possible and however you can do that whether that's some of the internships they offer they're they're workable just I mean I would 
you know, obviously don't let them impact any of your, your workout routine, those types of things, because you can, you can spread yourself too thin. You do want to keep that focus on performance and, and maximizing how long you play in the NFL, you know, how good you are as a player. It's a, it's a balance it's a, with everything in life. There's a balance to it. And you, you definitely have a lot of opportunities while you're playing that might not be an opportunity once you're done playing too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of access to whether it's local businesses or local connection through the team that, that you have access to while you're a player. And that might not necessarily be the case when you're done playing. Well, let's talk about money for a second. The minimum salary in the NFL today is six ten for a rookie. And I think it's over a million now for a vested bet. Mm-hmm. Even if a player plays one more season, you know, let's say he plays eight instead of seven or 13 instead of 12. And I'm not saying he's Superman and he's, you know, he's not one of those highly paid guys, but he's still in the league. It's very difficult to go out in the real world and make a million dollars from the jump in any business. And so it makes sense financially that if you're in the league and you have an opportunity to play one more year, you're going to win financially. Fair? Yeah, from a financial standpoint, absolutely. Obviously, I've seen it being the NFLPA rep for for Oakland and then in Seattle and, and during the lockout year. Even if a guy is making a few million a year, they might still be having cash flow issues season to season because with all that income, they're spending way more than they can sustain. And that's, I mean, that's going to be a problem they were in, when they retire. But when we were going to possibly miss games in 2011 lockout. You know, I had individuals on the Raiders that were, you know, telling me that we need to get a CBA agreement done because they need the cash inflow. They're they're out of money, basically. And so, I mean, that was eye-opening for me that as you have more income and you're not living within your means, even as an NFL player, you can actually be out of money while you're still playing. And it's even, I mean, exponentially worse once once you're done playing. If you don't have a handle on spending and you haven't, been investing and taking care of your, you know, growing your net worth while you're playing so that you are set up to, to be able to have flexibility and optionality in what you do as a second career. You, you know, you're not, you're not, you, you're not taking advantage of your opportunity. And so, you know, that's just part of what, you know, I want to do for my second career is be able to give guys the holistic comprehensive advice. So, you know, I, I hope to just be able to make a difference in, helping players grow their net worth, live, you know, they can still spend a lot of money and, but still be set up for when they're done playing. And, you know, that's, that's part of, you know, why I want to be a wealth advisor and, and what we do in, in our family office here at AWM is, is it's, it's not about just investments because that's how you set yourself up for failure. Just focusing on the investment part is only a piece of the puzzle. You have to do the whole thing. You have to help the players. You have to educate them as a football player or really any athlete. You are a, you're wealthy and you're just not getting wealth advice that a lot of these really wealthy, you know, families, older people get because you're, you've got your wealth so early and so much of it might be in, in your human capital that is in a contract that's not guaranteed in the future. But if you can realize that, you can set yourself up, your family up for, for generational wealth in some cases. There is definitely a void in that area. And you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of the agent community is after the next draft pick, the next free agent deal, and they're taking care of their hottest guys. And the players that are moving on or transitioning into life after football, 
they're no longer hot, which is right. kind of crazy. Right. And I mean, it's same same way in financial services. Is be surprised the amount of financial advisors that don't actually know anything about investments um, or how to invest, but they're really good at sales. And um, it's hard to you know it's hard to get players to understand and educated because our, you know, I'll say financial literacy and our, and I was the same way. Um, it, it's not, it's not well taught, you know, even in college, they, uh, they'll teach, you know, I took a plant biology class, but they didn't teach um, how much, you know, t- we're going to come out in taxes and filing a tax return, uh, which, you know, one would have benefited me a lot more than the other. So that's a societal problem that I, that I take issue with, but it's especially harmful to athletes who are front-loaded and are earning and have an opportunity to create a lot of wealth and um, you end up with you know salespeople or you know the the, ma- the major uh, brokerages like Morgan Merrill, Goldman um, they're just focused on the investment part and they're not doing a holistic plan and they're not really in it for the long run they're they're commission-based a lot of times and so they're they're selling products rather than the service which is what's going to add the most value well ironically in a lot of cases the player who is the client doesn't realize that the broker is getting paid fees because a lot of times the money managers are kicking them back undisclosed fees and they think they're just getting charged a quarter 25 basis points to manage their portfolio when in fact the financial advisor is making a lot more than that and that's why they're moving things around so that they can continue to generate more fees. Yeah, and so. I mean, there's there's sometimes a harmful focus on on you know what's your fees when and I mean the the good advisors and the good the good wealth managers they I mean you you more than pay for your fee multiple times over it's than than what the next best guy could do at at some of these um, wirehouses. It's it's. Uh, especially when you see the value they're providing. And, and in my personal circumstance, I had an advisor at uh, Merrill Lynch and he just did investments. I realize now how much better off I would be if I would have been able to, to have a holistic plan that evaluated every part of my financial life and presented it to me, educated me on why why growing my net worth matters more than just growing my investment account. Because if you're spending too much, it doesn't matter what your investment rate of return, you're going to outspend it. So you, if you can educate and and show how to grow wealth and and be a wealth coach you know i think there's a lot of parallels because we're independent so we have the full suite of products we're so we allow competition to to go find the best the best thing for the client whereas if you're at a wirehouse you you have to use that company's products you have to use proprietary products and they're you're just not inviting enough competition i mean i think anyone can understand competition helps consumer absolutely Let's just, for the sake of discussion, say you could go back to being an NFL rookie again with everything in your future still in front of you, your performance, your relationship with your coaches, your taking care of your body, your relationships off the field, your financial expertise, your, your money management, your spending, your investments, all those things, all your relationships. What change or what suggestion do you have to people that are going, going to be going through that process? that these are things you got to do because either you did it and it worked and you're so thankful you did it or you didn't do it and you wished you would have. I'll just say one thing I'm super happy about I did, my dedication to, to 
of being a professional and, and focusing so much of my energy on being the best tight end I could be. And whether that was in the weight room or in the film room or doing whatever it was asked of me as a team player and you know making the plays, I would do everything about that over again and playing through injury. And I tore both my plantar fascias and had them in, in, in one in the NFC divisional in uh, 2012 and got that injected went on to have like 140 receiving yards or something so like I would do all those things over again on the flip side you know I would have I would have taken more ownership over educating myself on on investing finance kind of that business side of football because I guess my flaw was that I always expect so much of myself I expect I expected other people to be doing forming at that same level and doing what was best for me. And that's not always the case in the rest of the world. Um, that's one thing I would change about myself is to take ownership of my wealth, take ownership over my investments and, and be involved and, 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 and have them explain to me, you know, why we're doing this, why we're doing that. And if they can't explain it to you, then they're not a good advisor and you should find someone else. And, you know, really, hold those people accountable. If, if they are really good at sales and they, they talk really well, they better follow through. And, and I've always been more of an action guy, uh, never big on giving speeches, but you can always tell a, how a person, their character by, by the actions. What, what have they done? What have they shown you that proves that they, they back up what they say and they, they are who they say they are. So you always just watch their actions and, and, you know, hold those people accountable that they're taking care of your finances because, um, while you're doing every everything you can to be the best NFL player, you should you should have that same expectation of people controlling, maximizing your wealth. Okay, so Zach, you're in that situation now as an advisor. Your post NFL career, you are as equipped and as intelligent as anybody on the planet in terms of what the players need to know. What is your plan for communicating and reaching athletes? so that they can actually capitalize on what you just said, which is get their arms around their financial future now instead of trusting people that may not be looking out for your best interest and you don't want to wait seven years to find out. I think the NFL PA is trying to get better. with. They're actually bringing CFPs in in the second and third year in some of the, at some of the teams to educate. So you've got to pay attention during those meetings. You've got to use that resource, go to that resource that financial finesse is, is available. And those, those guys are CFPs. And that's the, C, the CFP exam is what I just passed in March. I'm fulfilling the experience requirement right now. The certification or designation does not the end all be all, but at least have those guys. If you're with an advisor right now, have them look over your portfolio, have them look over your finances, see if you're getting good service because they'll, they'll be honest. They're unbiased. They're not trying to sell you anything. And, and pay attention and try to learn as much as you can. It's going to be hard unless you have um, a really good uh, background in, in finance. It's not intuitive. <laughs> the time value of money and compound interest, discounting, it's not intuitive. So you have to learn as much as you can so that, and know what you're looking for in an advisor that, so you can ask the right questions about how, you know, ask them how they get paid. Ask them what's their motive for wanting, for wanting to manage your money. Are they just your fan? Are they, are they actually care about you as a, as a person? Are they just trying to get a commission? You got to try to figure out as best you can 
through the interview process, through holding them accountable. And if they're talk over your head or, or, or can't explain it to you, then you, you got to find a, another advisor because any, any advisor should always explain the why of what they're doing. 1,000% agree. I have naturally a lot of guys that have ended their NFL career. Many of them made lots of money. And the thing that breaks my heart is when you have a guy that made a ton of money that runs out of money. And my job has always been to put them in touch with people that would do a good job for them. And unfortunately, some players outspend any budget. They're not financially disciplined like they are in their athletic world. But if they can learn to take the same skills, the same disciplines, the same work ethic, the similar principles that they utilize to be the best of the best, meaning they're playing football in the NFL, and use that in their everyday world related to their money, they shouldn't ever have to worry about money again. One, you know, 100% on that, that all advisors that advise athletes need to find a way to make it relatable to the player so that they can understand it and then implement it. And you obviously you can't control people. People can have the ability to do whatever they want. You know, if they want to outspend their money, you can't stop them. But at least you can give them all the tools, the best advice you can give, and know that you made a difference. And there's, I will say, most players they'll they'll understand. Most players will. Yep. Zach, I want to thank you very much for being on Pro Mindset today. You know, we talked about football issues, football challenges, a lot of things related to the mindset of a successful NFL player. But we also talked a lot about the financial well-being of, of athletes that are going to play in the business world in, the life after, in, in life after football for way more years than they played in the NFL. So I want to thank you for your time today. I want to wish you, a best, you know, the best of luck in your new venture and have an awesome day. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pro Mindset. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can follow us on our website, promindsetpodcast.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ProMindsetPodcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you the next time.